Coming up this hour, is it appropriate to protest at people's homes? And then, how do we choose the theological voices to listen to? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on a Monday. Aubrey, it doesn't feel so Monday-ish because summer has bloomed. Summer has finally bloomed. We were sitting outside a little while ago before we started the show this afternoon, and, like, the sun was giving us tans. We were soaking in the vitamin D. It was beautiful out there. Yeah, so this week it's all in the 80s, might be 90 degrees later. This is how we do spring in Chicago. So we hope you're able to enjoy some of it, and we're glad to have you with us today. Aubrey, uh, a word of congratulations. Saw it. Nothing's official unless you put it on social media. Yes. So therefore, you put it all over social media this weekend. Your husband put it all over social media this weekend. We have a uh, a grad school graduate in the midst. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. It was very, very meaningful. I actually finished, you know, last fall. Sure, I remember. Very meaningful to walk across the stage and participate in the commencement service. It felt, you know, that very important ceremonial conclusion to things. And there was a moment. When we had taken all the pictures and people were dwindling away, there were about my, my cohort had twenty women. There were about eight of us left sitting on the steps at Wheaton, just not wanting to say goodbye because we knew it was really the end. So there's some melancholy with the joy and the yeah. excitement too. But it was fun. My dad was there. My mom came in town. My father-in-law was there. My kids were there, so they got to see that, and it was a very congratulations. Thank you. Graduating Mother's Day, all things Aubrey in the Samson household. Apparently, yeah, it was your birthday week, but my (laughs) weekend. (laughs) When Mother's Day comes, and my birthday week is over. How was your Mother's Day? My Mother's Day was wonderful. It was actually full of baseball, but we went to my son's baseball tournament. But uh, my wife was there, and all the other moms, they all enjoyed being together. So it was that kind of nice, nice to be outside. It was a beautiful day, and too. And then my in-laws were came down, and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law came and surprised my wife as well. Aww, so it was really fun. fun. It was fun. I've told you before, we're in the midst of, like, from May the 4th to May the 15th, we have my birthday, my daughter's birthday, Yes. Mother's Day and my wife's birthday. So you just, you're like, do I have to buy another gift? I don't know what to do. So (laughs) anyway, it was a really fun weekend and uh, I did not graduate. I was not given, you know, accolades like you were, but hey, the sun was out. Yeah, the sun was out and you celebrated your wife. So well done, sir. There you go. Well, Aubrey, as we've been saying uh, over the last week or two, um, ever since that leak of the of the document at the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. um, things have gone crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah. The leak. If you've been living in a cave somewhere, here's what it was. Uh, somebody on the Supreme Court, my brother-in-law and I were talking this week, like this is going to be a fascinating book or documentary someday when they find out mm. who did it, because you can make a case for basically anybody having done this. Right. Uh, But whoever leaked this thing that kind of indicates now this could change, but it seems to indicate that the conservative portion of the Supreme Court is ready to basically overturn Roe versus Wade. And I think I expected maybe what do you think? I I expected when if and when that day ever came. And again, it hasn't come yet. It has not come. These are all preliminary and things change. But I do think that I. I knew it would be a really, really big deal. Yeah. But I think I'm surprised by how big of a deal it oh, is right are now. You? I think so. The um, yeah. I guess I'm just. I, th- that sounds really weird to say because yeah. if you had asked me six months ago, I would have said that's going to be the biggest deal in the world, right? Like, so I'm not underselling. I didn't think it would just be a blip in the news. 
but I, I guess I'm just really the vitriol and mm. the passion there. Mm. Did you see there are people protesting in churches yesterday, like uh, coming in and, wow. and interrupting huge Catholic masses. There is, and this is what I want to talk to you about. There were people, a huge crowd of people outside the homes, the personal homes of Supreme court justices Mm-mm. protesting. Mm-mm. And so that's what I think. I mean, I think I knew it would be big, but it seems like it is, it is, pulled a Band-Aid off of something or done something in which all bets are off. Yeah. Everything is everything is in play. Yeah. And I guess that surprised me. Yeah, I, I, I am not surprised that it's as big of a deal as it is. But you know what actually has been surprising to me? And we're going to talk about this later in the show, so we don't need to talk about it a lot now. But certain Christians mm-hmm. who have been... Um, Amongst the protesters yep. or amongst those who are outraged by this. And that's a, you know, that again, we're seeing a lot of schisms like within the family of God over some of these views. And I guess this is one of them. So that surprised me more than the vitriol. I think back to that um, Saturday Night Live skit that you and I talked about the, I can't remember the name, but something the abortion clown. Mm. And it was that point I was mm-hmm. like, okay, if Saturday Night Live is doing it, then that means in pop culture, uh, the like meaning like the voices that are on social media, the voices of pop culture are going to cause a scene yeah. when this happens. I feel like that's what's happening. But like you said, this these activists demonstrating outside of homes. Yeah, I mean, I I'm sorry. Like I understand. Like you fight for what you believe, and that's what America's all about. But like when we're invading people's privacy and d- causing danger to them, it has to stop and there. What has surprised me too. And again, sometimes I feel like I'm naive when I'm like, what, how did that happen? Yeah. People want to be so much of the conversation is about women's rights and this and that. And, and there are literally crisis pregnancy centers who are doing unbelievable work for women, for babies that yeah. have been vandalized, that have been burned. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what in the world are we doing? Mm-hmm. There's a, even a reporter uh, right now who called for violence against pro-lifers, say they shouldn't have peace or safety until they're dead. There's a liberal poster uh, reporter named Caroline Riley. Now, she has been kicked off of Twitter and other places of where she was doing this. But it is just the um, – and, Aubrey, you and I believe we have really strong thoughts about abortion. People who listen to this show know that, and they're very conservative thoughts, I would say. Yeah. But what is the church's role right now mm. on a topic that we feel, for the most part, very strongly about? Mm-hmm. I know there's people in my church who are pro-choice. So like, yeah, I am not same. saying yeah. – I'm not painting every church with – like you have a hundred percent anonymity on this or that, right? Right. But for the most part, my church, your church, whatever, we probably fall in line a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a passionate. We want to stand up, but at the same time, you and I talk on this show all the time about civility. We see the lack of civility right yeah. now within the culture. Yeah. What? What? Are we, what is the church? What are we to do? So I, I think the church is to wrestle right now, and I don't. You know, I I don't think the church needs to be silent in the face of what feels like evil. Um, I also don't think, and you and I talked about this last week, I don't think this is the time for the church to be like, yay, 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 it looks like the Supreme Court is going to pick us. Like, even though we may be feeling that internally, that's not helpful either. There has to be some measure of, I think, again, caring for abortion-minded women or post-abortion women that are in your church Mm. and um, 
probably continuing to preach about the sanctity of life uh, in a way that's winsome and um, doesn't like condemn half the population in your church that may or may not have had abortions. And so that's not really a great answer. I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear, Brian, but I just think is this is the moment for compassion, kindness. I'm not saying be silent. I'm not saying like, um, you know, not praise God that maybe there's this possible movement in the Supreme Court that seems pro-life, but I, we just can't be, we can't be cavalier right yeah. now. I, I don't think now is the time or ever is the time. Mm, people are going to disagree with this. Yeah. I don't think it's ever the time for us as Christians to match vitriol with vitriol, to match anger Definitely. with anger. That Definitely. doesn't mean that we don't have our standards and stand up for what we believe yeah. and, and advocate for the unborn. Yeah. That is not what I'm, I'm not saying back down from your position, but I also don't think now the time is to go, well, we're going to go vandalize the abortion clinic or we right. are going like that's not who we are called to be yeah. and so i think the church and we as individuals need to we need to wrestle with and talk about how do we advocate and push and stand up for what we believe is right but i believe you used a word winsome uh how do we do it in a way that also reflects well upon Jesus reflects yeah. well upon the gospel yeah. keeps doors open right. and there are people right now who are like that's not the point right that's not the point and again hear me clearly i'm not saying oh we should back off mm-hmm. our position in order for the unit that's not what i'm saying right but there is a we always go back to our friend Jim Dennison who said respectfully i disagree yeah. the lost art of civility yeah. i do really think and and i the number of christians who i see right now not only not being civil but denouncing civility right. on Twitter or whatever right. is worrisome to me. Yeah, I agree. It's worrisome because it, I mean, yes, we know that there were, you know, we always go back to the old, like Jesus turning the tables, right? Mm-hmm. Like angry Jesus is some people's favorite Jesus. And so it wasn't, it's not like we're saying don't get angry over evil, but I think we can't, we can't respond to evil with evil in turn. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're saying. Like this isn't a moment to go like, uh, you know, vandalize abortion clinics. This isn't a moment to go like laugh in the face of women who want to have abortions. Like this is a, this is a moment to somehow remember what it means to be pro-life from womb to tomb. And I think really to not get swayed by cultures, this like, this like hot take moment. And instead like stay the course, run the race, Mm -hmm. focus on Jesus, love your neighbor and and keep you know you know what's right and you can speak out about what's right but just like stay focused don't let the waves of culture sway you yeah i think that's well put I, let's not meet vitriol with vitriol yeah. but let's also continue to advocate for unborn babies let's mm-hmm. advocate and step in to help um single moms yeah. or whatever else it might be the people who need the help here rather than just you know, meeting vitriol with vitriol. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. be interesting. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the decision actually comes down? No. No, it's going to be uh, that next show that we do. That will be something because yeah. there'll be a lot, a lot to talk about. When Tim Keller writes something, I like to read it. If I come across, uh, he's near the top list of a sermon I will listen to. If, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, he's getting some pushback about some stuff. But yeah, there are also... Some people who you and I would probably say in the last decade, Mm -hmm. maybe if we went back 10 years, we would go, that's a person who was really mainstream, huge following, has gone progressive, 
some people would say off the reservation, but I right. just say progressive, right. right? Right. And still has a huge influence. And I kind of want to wrestle with that. What yeah. brings this up? For me, uh, one of those people is Jen Hetmaker. Yeah. Uh, Jen Hetmaker, still, but at least back in the day when she wrote something, it sold a lot. Oh man, she was making the she was making that Lifeway Bible study money. Like yeah. she was selling <laughs> like you know she was selling those books like crazy. She was on TV, HGTV show, I yeah. believe, with her husband at the time. Yes. There, no longer married. Yes, um, a lot of stuff. But Jen Hatmaker, over the last couple years, I would say, has really moved left. Has yeah. really moved progressive in her theology, yeah. in her social stances, yeah. in her writings. Yeah. Uh, and that's happened a lot recently with various people you and I have talked about, whether it be the Joshua Harris's of the mm-hmm. world or the Glennon Doyles mm-hmm. or the Jen Hatmakers or whatever mm-hmm. else it might be. Rob Bell was an early version yes, of this. Yes, he was a trailblazer, yeah. if you will. <laughs> yeah. um, Jen Hatmaker came out this weekend on her social media, which 10 years ago, what she said would have been. There's no way she would have said this. There's no way. Uh, She came out very Mm pro-choice, very against uh, what could be happening in the Supreme Court. And but that's not where I want to focus right now. But because it wasn't surprising, right? If you had asked me what's Jen Hatmaker gonna Instagram put on her Instagram, I would have said exactly this. Right. This isn't shocking or the most, like you said, the most controversial thing she's ever said. Right. I think what concerns me and what I just want to wrestle with with you is. How do we decide for ourselves, but also what do we talk about with our friends and our churches and stuff? How do we say, how do you decide these are the people I'm going to yeah. quote unquote listen to? Yeah. These are the people I'm going to read. Yeah. These are the people I'm going to let from a distance almost, mm-hmm. the same way we talked about Keller, yeah. kind of lead me and Disciple help form. Me. Yeah. Because I think a lot of, I think Hatmaker was in a certain spot. Mm-hmm. I think. A lot of people, particularly women that I know, mm-hmm. kind of gravitate. She's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And so they gravitate to her. Now she's moved yep. in what we would say is some very dangerous ways. And people are going with her. Yeah, lots of people are going with They're her. They're going with her yeah. either on purpose or not knowing. Right, right. So uh, that's a roundabout way of saying, how do we navigate this in a world of blogs and yeah. books and podcasts yeah. and sermons online and all that stuff? Yeah. I, how, do, well, how do we help people figure that out? Once actually speaking of Tim Keller, Kathy Keller said, um, Tim Keller's wife, Tim, yeah, thank you. Tim Keller's wife said, We hold everything we hold provisionally until God shows us like another way or a better way. I, mm. I that's probably not the exact quote, but I think this is another example of that. Like, I was a I followed Jen Hatmaker's blog, I read her books, and then I began to notice that she was saying things that I felt like just weren't biblical. And soon I just sort of had to part ways with her as a as a fan, as a reader, because um, I just I disagreed to the point where it I mean, there are lots of authors and bloggers I read that I disagree with. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't think that's a problem at all. I think actually that's probably better for all of us to do that. So we're not in echo chambers. But what Hatmaker was doing um, and someone like Glennon Doyle Melton was doing this, too, was like in the name of discipling women and discipling men. And I think when you add discipleship to it, that's when it kind of, for me begins where I'm like, I need to draw a line in the sand here. Mm. Like I'm, this is not the rabbi I'm going to follow because I don't think she's following the biblical way of Jesus. And, um, it, that's different than just like reading, learning, you know, it, that's a different conversation than I, 
than discipleship. Does that does that nuance it, make sense, Brian? It does because you and I have also that. Let's continue wrestling with this. You and I have talked often on this show. You don't want to be in an echo chamber, right? Don't only listen and read people yeah. who only believe what you do. Yeah. But the question is, who's helping form your faith? Mm-hmm. And I guess I want to see a call back to the local church. That the, I was the, just thinking that the yes. toothpaste might be out of the toothpaste squeezy uh-huh, thing uh-huh. here. Uh, because we live in a world of social media where everything shrunk. So I can read a blog. I can listen to yeah. a sermon. I can do this. Yeah. But I guess I want to say, is there a way for us to focus our formation mm. back in the local church? And then I still read Hatmaker or Keller sure. or this or that. Yeah. But they are not my primary influence. Yeah. But I just wonder if that's even possible. I mean, I I, I do think, Brian, like it's it may not be possible, but I still think there's a reason why, like, the local church exists and why the local church is the expression of God's glory. And this was God's plan all along. Like, I think you're exactly right. Like let your spiritual formation, let your discipleship happen in community with Mm. actual flesh and blood people in a church setting. And then, yeah, you know, buy a Glenn Doyle book and read it. If you enjoy her sense of humor, read Jen Hatmaker's blog. If you like get a kick out of it, or even if you find yourself wanting to know what you agree with or disagree with, but you're, your primary like becoming like Jesus needs to be in person, flesh and blood with people, you know, in real life, have relationships with because we're called to do this Christian life together in community, yeah. not individually, not online. And I, I'm not talking about an online service, like watch an online service if you need to. That's not what I'm saying. But like do it with a local congregation that you can be a part of when you're in service mm-hmm. in real person in real life. Does so that make any sense? It does. So you're an author. Yeah. Uh, you're not making what did you say? The Lifeway Bible not study money. Lifeway Bible study money. I wish I was. But uh People read you, and you probably get feedback from mm-hmm. people. Oh, yeah. This really changed my life. Yes. This really did this. Yes. Does that make you uncomfortable? Does that make you happy? No, what is that? That's what like are the, the reason why you write a book is right. to have people say, "Wow, I was so discouraged." The Lord used your journey, your words, your pathway, your obedience to remind me to keep going, or remind me of His love for me, or remind me like there's nothing more mm. gratifying than that, and. There was, I'll, I remember one person wrote me in particular, and this was after my first book. And so as especially a first time author, you're so insecure and you don't know if it's helping at all. And there was a teenage girl who was in the hospital uh, recovering from her attempt to commit suicide. Mm. And somebody gave her my first book and she wrote me and told me that it changed her life. Oh my gosh. And that, Brian, is why you write. That's... Like You're like, okay, Lord, I could die now. Like, thank you. You have, God, you have done a good work. Even if it's just her and nobody else, yeah. done. The Did work is complete. Did you end up having connection with her at all? Yeah, we ended up kind of talking back and forth for a number of years. I don't know where she is now. I hope she's okay. But wow. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a cool story. Yeah. I, I think for everybody out there, we talk a celebrity culture in the church world. Mm-hmm. There's there. It's easy to, I guess I would end it this way. Who's forming you? Yeah. And I think you used a very correct word when we talked about the local church, and that was community. Mm-hmm. Who are the checks and balances? Who are this? Because if you just follow an author... The, We've seen many an author, many a musician, many of this, many a pastor, many a pastor uh, on the conservative, on the progressive side, like Jen Hatmaker, but also those of us who listen to Mark Driscoll weekly for five years when you could start getting those. It's the equal issue here. Mm -hmm. And so I think we got to be wise, right? What we got to be, we got to use wisdom right now. 
I'm not sure we do that very well. And then we end up going, I love, oh, what did she say? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of going down there. That was a cool story. I didn't realize. I know. Isn't that cool? That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. That's going to find its way into a future book. God is good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been a long time since I told you a joke. It has been a while. And I'm in need of a joke, Brian. You do. You seem a little melancholy today. I think it's the... The graduating, I think. I think you're. I got some post grad. You know what I got? I got like the camp high letdown because this weekend was so incredible. I I think our listeners can feel that right now. They're like, sorry, listeners. They're like, thought it was beautiful out. (laughs) (laughs) So we're gonna do grinds my gears, and one of one of grinds my gears is probably when your co-host is kind of sad, but you know, she's Uh, she's not helpful to you today. Let me start with a joke, and I'm gonna. I want to hear it. I'm gonna own the fact that I heard this joke on. ESPN this morning. So okay. this is not original. This came off the TV this morning. I l- audibly laughed. My children did not. Uh, oh, okay. So this is a dad joke or dud joke, basically. I think you can. All Ready? Right. Ready? Aubrey. Go. Okay. Yes, Brian? How can you tell the sex of an ant? How can you tell the sex of an ant? Well, you get a bucket of water and you put said ant in the bucket of water. If it sinks, it's a girl ant. If it floats, it's boy ant. <laughs> Extraordinary! You just changed my whole mood, Brian. I, I well always done. watch uh, Get Up Boy, on ESPN yeah. in the morning, and Dan Orlovsky he tells that he told that joke today, and I went, "That's a good joke." <sighs> I could right tell there. my kids that. That's a good one. Boy, it. I, Boy but it. What I appreciate about that joke is you just couldn't see where it was going. You I couldn't. Was I was a little going, like, "Is this sexist? Like, what is up with this joke?" But then it got funny. It got I, funny I've real my fast. Lesson with you. <laughs> All right, one of our favorite segments called "Grinds My Gears." Here's here's what we do. With Grinds My Gears. This is our opportunity, Aubrey, to vent. Right. This is not, we're not going to vent about the war in the Ukraine. Yes. We are not going to vent about other things we've talked about today. This is not about inflation or gas prices. Yes. Those are all much bigger deals than what we're talking about. They're all worthy of so much more than Grinds My Gears. Mm -hmm. Grinds My Gears is annoyances. Yes. But if you don't get the annoyances off your chest, they grow. That's and true. they grow That's true. and they become bigger deals. Yeah. All right. I got two for you today. <gasps> wow, I start I'm with excited. one. Yeah, please. And then go and ahead. then I'm gonna give it back to you. You okay. can we'll go we'll go back and forth here. Okay. Aubrey, I cannot handle and I think I'm gonna hurt your heart on this one a little bit. Mm-hmm. People, please stop naming your cars. <laughs> that is a little sad, Brian. I, I had a car in high school named Lenny. Would you, as an adult, name a car? Um, probably. Yeah, I haven't named my current car though, so now I'm feeling inspired. I should name. Now, tell me why you tell me why you aren't a fan of car naming. Because a, it's dumb. I don't name my refrigerator. I don't name my blender. You're right. I don't name my Blendy. (laughs) No, no, I don't name my television. Do you want to? Do you want what I named my television? The TV. (laughs) Do you know what I named my car? My car. Yeah. So this like, okay. and people who ever, All uh, right. the only people I know who've really done this uh-huh. have like, like the bug, like the VW bug. Yeah. And it's always like, oh, here's Lenny or right. here's this. And I'm like, right. no, that's yeah. your yellow car. Yeah. That's your car. So how about we name children? Yeah. We name animals. Sure. We stop naming things like cars. Cause you know what that car is going to do to you one day? It's going to break down. It's going to break down. You're going to spend a lot of money on that car. And then you're going to feel the need, like, do I have a funeral for this name? Right, no, that is right. not a person. Right. That is an inanimate object that gets you from point A to point B. <laughs> Stop giving it names. It's silly. I'm just thinking of things around my house, like 
cuppy, toasty. Like, you do realize you're just adding E to everything I, right yes, now. I if am. you want to name your car Kari, feel free. Wait, that's like my wife, oh, Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> All right, so people who name their cars, that's just that stop one. it. All right, um, I have one that... This is definitely me venting. This is definitely me venting about something that happened over the weekend. I texted someone that I am fairly well connected to a really nice Mother's Day text. I know this person does not listen to the show. And uh, she did not text me back. And Mm. I have begun to feel like this person in my life no longer wants me to text them. But it's grinding my gears, Brian, because they haven't said, please stop texting me. And in my mind, this is like someone I'm basically related to and really close with. So yeah. it's grinding my gears. At least at least give a thumbs up or like the heart response if you don't want to respond. But just to not respond at all. And then I get a little paranoid. Like, if she is she getting my... Is she getting my text? But then I feel like I'm like gaslighting myself. <laughs> so this is becoming a whole thing and it's grinding my gears. I think that's fair. I think there's just a general rule of thumb. When you get a text, yeah. uh, answer said text, even if it's with a thanks. Don't or you think a, just answer a text? Yeah. yeah. Th- I, I feel that way too. This isn't the one I wanted to do. I'm not going to do this one. But okay. um, people who answer texts with just K... Instead of okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes me crazy, too. Is it really hard to add that O? Do you know? I didn't really realize this. So that's kind of insulting to some generation. It's insulting to me. Well, so I responded to a text K one time years ago. And somebody called me. I was like, are you okay? Did I do something to make you mad? And I was like, why? Because <laughs> like, you said K. And I was like, <gasps> So that I, O oh, is going to do that it. That O matters. So now I, I'm very, I'm very big on like, um, also adding emojis. Like if it could yes. sound at all like snarky, I'm big on like and a smiley face and a heart and a, you know. I think I'm annoyingly big on the on the exclamation point too to in, yeah. give a happy feel. Yeah. All right. My other one, I'm going to admit anyone who's listened to this show for a while knows I've done this one before, yeah. but it happened to me this okay, weekend. Okay, let's hear it. Can we please? I understand it makes you feel like you're saving the environment. Can we please get rid of the paper straw? Oh, they're terrible, aren't they? Can we please yeah, really get rid of the... If plastic straws are going to be the end of our existence, then sign me up for us just being done. Because <laughs> the paper straw starts to break down. Yeah. It, it affects how your drink tastes. Yeah. And we're only doing this for theater. It's like performative it's environmentalism. Performative yeah. Completely. And when we do performative things, yeah. such as also only having hand uh, dryers in the bathroom instead of paper towels, yeah. when we just do performative things, it drives me up a wall. But the paper, if the if the paper straw were better than the plastic straw, I would sign yeah, up for it. Totally. But there is not one person in this world Mm-mm. who believes the paper straw yeah. is better than Nobody. the plastic straw. Nobody likes so the paper can we straw. all agree that we will incrementally hurt the environment if that means we get to keep the plastic straw? How do you feel about the uh, the stainless steel straw? Awful. Yeah. I, so we've tried those in no. our home because my kids like straws and we're like, okay, we can make a small difference by doing stainless steel straws and they're bad. They're really bad. It's, the answer is the plastic straw, yeah. and it's not killing. Yeah. The, we're doing much bigger things if you think that we're killing the that's environment. A, that's a good point. If you've been paying any attention, this month we are partnering with our good friends at Food for the Poor to help bring food to the Ukraine. You can actually go on our website right now, 1160hope.com, 
click on the Help Ukraine banner that's at the top of the page, and you can give a gift today. This is what's incredible. Brian and I keep like ooing and aahing over this because a $150 gift provides six. Hundred meals, and what did we say it was Brian? It's like every dollar is four meals. That's it's, right. Yeah, so just, I just keep hitting it, my microphone. It is so incredible. So, so again, it does require math. Math <laughs> is required. <laughs> math is required. No, go to eleven sixty hope dot com. Click click on that help Ukraine banner. Any gift you can give will bring emergency food relief to Ukrainian refugees and displaced families today. Speaking of Ukraine, Brian, I don't know if you heard over the weekend that uh, you too. Held a concert in Ukraine. I did not. Yeah, this was so cool. You missed my joke there. You said you too did a concert. I said I did not. Oh. Is that dumb? <laughs> no, no. I mean, anytime you have to explain a joke, I feel like that's a really good joke. I so. did see the U2 story, though, this morning on the Today Show. I mean, it was just, uh, it was Bono and Edge. Yeah, Bono and Edge. And they were in, literally, in one of those subway stations where people, like, uh, are using as a bomb shelter. I was yes. like, man, that is kind of... It's daring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So pr- apparently Zelensky invited them to come. They performed this acoustic concert in one of the subway stations turned bomb shelters. I think you can actually watch some of the video um, on rollingstone.com or, you know, probably find it online. But, uh, you know, Brian, Jill Biden uh, visited Ukraine over the weekend, like lots of people showing their support. But here's what was fascinating to me and maddening to me. And I want us to unpack it. So, uh, again, part of you two, two members go and perform a concert. People on Twitter lost their minds and not in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like literally like, oh, how dare they do that? Yeah. Like that's going to be helpful. And, you know, worse things than that. Oh, what, who do they think they are? Blah, 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 blah. And it really, I I was like, are in my mind reading these comments, like, are you risking your life to go to yeah, Ukraine and perform yeah. a band in a, a subway Station. bomb shelter? Yeah. Are you doing anything for Ukraine? Just keep your mouth shut, people. Like, mm-hmm. you don't think the Ukrainian people need some type of hope and, like, excitement in mm-hmm. the middle of all of this? Oh, just the very, the very least is that they were asked to go That's by it. President Zelensky. That's it. You know, and Aubrey, I, I'm needing more and more, I think, in my life to remind myself that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are... A very small subsection of the world, right? Of the and and of the people that in our country, even and that where people get outraged. There's this kind of fake outrage. But with that said, you are correct. If you are the type of person who goes, you know what? I'm going to look at this band playing for people mm-hmm. in the Ukraine and see negative in it. Right. That says more about you than it says about them. Mm. It says a lot about you, quite frankly. Mm. Yes. Do we all wish that you, that Bono could fly over there and instead of doing a concert, he could broker a peace treaty? Of course. But that's not going to happen. Right. And so right. let's, let's let – and again, the president asked him to come yes. over. So I saw this too on Twitter. People like, oh, you know, is that really what they need, a concert? No, really what they need is the war to end right. and food. Right. But he could do what he can do. Yeah. They can do what they can yeah. do. And, oh, you just made this point. You can do what you can do. <laughs> Thank you. There you yeah, go. Thank so, you. yeah, this oh. kind of Twitter outrage is getting really, really I'm, tiring. I am getting so tired of it. And I part of me is like, I don't know. I'm not super active on Twitter. But I'm like, should I just be done? I'm just tired of. Yeah, it's going to happen where the I'm other places you go to. tired of everyone on their high horses, I think. Just like, come on, people. Okay. But. Let's let's move that conversation a little bit because some people were very angry about it. But I actually think 
bringing hope in the way you can to situations of suffering is actually really, really meaningful and actually really, really matters. And I know for me, like, this is part of the reason that I write. I'm not mm. in a rock and I'm not in the most famous rock and roll band in the world, so I can't perform yet. a concert, right? Obviously, yet. But there are, in my own little corner of the world, the things I can do is, you know, write some articles, write some chapters, try to bring hope to people who are hurting in that way. Mm-hmm. You planted a church, Brian. Mm-hmm. You're preaching and bringing gospel hope to people who are hurting that way. Don't you think that's a like a... I don't know, I guess a reasonable thing for humans for us to be doing with our gifts and our talents. Uh, absolutely. I think we should uh, we should spend a lot less time going, this person should do this. Yeah. This person is just, and we should spend a lot more time going, what can I do? Mm. What little thing? Uh, we just gave people an option. If, you, if the Ukraine's your thing, we just That's gave right. you an option through food for the poor, what you can do. But... You know, if you're the type to be like, well, you're not doing let's let's boil this. Let's get away from the war in the Ukraine. Yeah. And let's even like go to the church. Mm-hmm. You and I will hear this sometimes from people. Uh, why do you do this? Like, we well, do discipleship wrong or we do this wrong. Yeah. And the answer that I always want to give people is great. Then tell me how to do it right. Come <laughs> totally. roll your sleeves up yes. and let's do it together. Yes. And oh. I don't even mean that in like a snarky mm-hmm. kind of way. I mean that in a legitimate. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If you've got a better idea. But it's the old Teddy Roosevelt line, right? The old Teddy Roosevelt quote, and I'm going to get it wrong, but he says, the honor is not with the people on the sidelines who are throwing mm. the rocks. It's the people in the battle, mm. in the game. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I, if we got less on the sidelines and more into the game, I think yeah. we'd be a lot better off. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. So so let's encourage listeners, how can you get off the sidelines and into the game? And I, you know... Some of it might just be like, okay, and I I guess I'm even thinking about this, like the plank that's in my own eye. When I am tempted to start tearing down someone's effort to do good and bring hope because it's not like the way I would do it, maybe I should just shut my mouth Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, what can I do then instead? And I think that's where we all need to perhaps take a... Like take a step back, look at our lives, look at the ways that God has... uh, created us and made us in our specific abilities and our specific passions and even our life story. And how has God weaved all of that Mm. together to create in you uh, the ability to bring hope to this world? And I do think each of us has a unique way, perspective, voice, et cetera, to do that. It might be writing. It might be sharing things on social media. It might be planning a church like Brian did. It might be creating music. I might be just loving your neighbor, sending a good text, but I do think all of us can find ways within who we are to bring hope to a suffering world. So Brian, let me ask you this as a pastor. If you were like preaching about, I don't know, how do people know their, their gifting and Mm -hmm. their purpose and how they actually go about like uh, excavating how God has created them to, to bring hope to the world. What would you, what were some points that you would preach? And I'm, by the way, I'm looking at the Teddy Roosevelt quote, and I was yeah. looking for the man in the arena. Yeah. But listen to this quote. Ooh. Tell me how much this fits. Ooh, okay. He's, he, Teddy Roosevelt was quoted as saying this, do what you can with what you have where you are. I mean, amen. That's Th- literally what we're talking sermon. about. It's a three-point sermon. Yes. Do what you can with what you have where you are. So, Love that. Aubrey, if I was preaching about this or just thinking about it for myself, uh, I, I would say this, where's your heart drawn? Mm. What are the things that you're clearly gifted at? Like, what are the things that, that energize you, but also that you can do well? Bono can play music. Yeah. He can sing. What can you, what are you interested in? What do you do that you can then use 
to bless other people, whether it be your neighbors or whether it be people in war-torn Ukraine, right? Like, yeah. how can you? You don't need to be like, if you're not a singer, like you said, you're not you too. Right. Then maybe that that's not your move. But if you could write a book, like, write, mm-hmm. okay, how can I use? It, there's all sorts of ways to go about yeah. it. You're not going to find the perfect thing. The biggest thing is do something. Can I read you as man in the Please, arena? I, I always hear find it, it so yeah. So um, inspiring. Teddy yeah, Roosevelt's called it. the man in the arena. He says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short, comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? So that is that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I love that. Man, Teddy Roosevelt dropping the mic there. Preaching. Just... If you can look in the mirror and say, I'm doing all I can to help here, help here. Or if you're just a critic, Mm -hmm. there's not great honor in that. There is something to truth telling in this. But if you're just a critic on Twitter or whatever, there is not great honor in that. I would spend less time criticizing, more times figuring out how can I love my neighbor? How can I help people? Oh, it's a good word from Teddy Roosevelt and from Brian Fromm today. Brian, would you call 90-degree weather whether you are grateful for or uh, do you have mixed feelings about? I like 90-degree weather. I just want to get there gradually. Okay. So I'm not thankful for 90 degrees this week. Okay, But if I you see. ask me, do I like 90 in July? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do. But let's just... Let's can we pace ourselves? Pace ourselves yes. a little bit. All right. So speaking of not being grateful for ninety degrees, at least yet, not I wanted yet. to have a conversation about gratitude. And um, let me let me tell you something that happened to me over the weekend. We talked about before. I I uh, I had I graduated. I finished my master's degree last year, but I walked over the weekend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was very very fun, very very meaningful. And I found myself so uh, grateful for the past, like, four and a half years of of being in grad school. Very transformative experience. Simultaneously, really, really, um, I was sad to see it end. So it was one of those moments where, you know, how gratitude kind of meets with melancholy sometimes. And I was kind of wrestling with that. And then I was like feeling almost a little guilty, like, oh God, I'm sorry. Am I not being grateful enough? Well, no, I think that's just part of the journey of even what it means to be grateful. And and I do sometimes think gratitude is a little more complicated than what we think it is yeah. because it often is like one of those things where you're practicing gratitude and feeling gratitude at the same time as uh, these other things are going mm-hmm. on that maybe feel painful and sad and so anyway, I wanted us to have a conversation about practicing gratitude. And um, over at Christian Headlines, I think this was actually last week, but I grabbed this because I thought it was an interesting quote. They're rephrasing G.K. Chesterton, okay. who was a, you know, he was one of the Inklings. He was a colleague and peer of uh, Lewis and Tolkien and um, a, a Christian theologian mm-hmm. writer and in, from England. And he he said this, although this is a paraphrase of his quote, but he said, when we were children, we were grateful to those who filled our stockings at Christmas time. 
why are we not grateful to God for filling our stockings with legs? And, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of a tongue in cheek statement there, but talking about like our having quote unquote attitudes of gratitude for everything we have, Mm -hmm. every blessing that we have. And so, Brian, I think this is a very complicated way of asking, like, how do we practice gratitude when it's painful or when it's it's difficult or when it's mixed emotions? Like, how do we actually do it? Yeah, I thought you were saying, how do we get, how do we grow that attitude of gratitude? And that's just to recognize what's going on around you. Mm. Like, sometimes we think gratitude is only at the huge events, graduation, birth of a child. Uh, But I've got things I can be thankful for. All the time. Mm. Like, you ever have those moments? She's like, look at your family. You're like, I'm really lucky. I'm really thankful or whatever else I'd be. Now, when life is difficult, gratitude really becomes a choice. Right. And a difficult choice. Right. Like, we see that in scripture. Joy and gratitude seem to be a choice. Uh, And so I don't, I want to be sure not to minimize people's pain. Sometimes we can do that and be like, oh, life is hard. Be, have gratitude. Yeah. Be joyful. It's not what I mean. Uh, I think. Uh, but we can be. I actually kind of preached a sermon, uh, kind of along these lines yesterday. We were, mm. we started uh, going through the book of First Peter. Oh, cool! And one of the things I talked about yesterday is Peter talks about hope, and he talks about it. He links it to Jesus's resurrection, and he links it to our future inheritance. Mm. Uh, and I talked about how, like, the fact that he has risen and there's coming a day when none of this is going on. Yeah, we can have hope even though life is really hard, but I wanted to make it really clear, but for some of you, life's really hard Mm. and I'm not minimizing that at all. And so I would say, even when life is hard and this might be difficult for some of you to hear, you still have things to have gratitude over, Hmm. to be thankful for. Hmm. And so first thing I would say is try to figure out what those are. You're good about talking about a gratitude journal. Maybe you're a journaler, Yeah. Um, but what can you be thankful for? Yeah. And if you can't think of anything, you can be thankful for God's presence in your life. That's good. And that's that's a legitimate thing. Yeah. So really want to be careful not to minimize pain. Yeah. But even say in the midst of pain, there's still you we are still called to gratitude. Not even called. We're offered. It's a doorway. We're mm. offered to be gra- to Ooh, have gratitude. That's a good way to put it. We are offered an opportunity to be to be grateful. Um, over at a website called mindful.org, they give uh, introductions to how to practice gratitude, and they're very practical. And so I actually, sometimes I need a practical approach mm-hmm. rather than just like thinking deeply because I tend to like get stuck in my thoughts and my emotions. And so to have some like practical handholds, I think are so helpful for us. They talk about keeping a, gra- a, ba- a gratitude journal like we just talked about. They also say... Um, this is an interesting one because it's going to feel counterintuitive, but remember the difficulties in your life mm. or remember the bad, because when you can think back on, wow, this really, really hard thing that you made it through, mm. that you had the resilience to get through, you'll find yourself grateful when you're on the other side of that. They also say you can ask yourself three questions. What have I received from fill in the blank? You can ask this about your uh, parents, your friends, your siblings, your work associates, your children, your partners. What have I received from this person? What have I given to this person? And uh, what troubles and difficulty have I caused this person? Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting one because I think it makes us think, like, where am I not allowing that person to be grateful, perhaps? And I need to take some responsibility They talk about sharing your gratitude with others. When you express gratitude, that actually strengthens your relationships and strengthens your gratitude. Mm. 
Um, they also say to use visual reminders of things you're grateful for because we tend to be very forgetful when it comes right. to our gratitude. They talk about being intentional about practicing it. They talk about um, using language of like blessing, blessed, fortunate, abundance, not to brag or, or talk about how good you are, but ultimately to remind yourself and even like the way you're talking of all the um, the things that you're mm. grateful for. Of course, then they talk about like savoring the good. Do any of those things stand out to you, Brian? Yeah, I, I like the idea of using visual reminders, mm-hmm. like what brings like there's an intentionality yeah. to all of these that I think is really important. You're asking yourself specific questions, coming to your senses. They talk about like what can you see and touch and smell. Yeah. Visual reminders, a journal. These are very intentional, very tangible steps. And as opposed to like, well, when things turn around, I'll be thankful. Right. And it's just going right, to happen. Right. It's not just going to happen. Yeah. And so I, I, I appreciate these. How about you? Want something to step out? Yeah. I mean, I, I, one thing that I actually didn't say is sort of the the benefits of practicing gratitude that's in this article. So this is why I, I love when like the word of God who invites us, God who invites us to be grateful, to practice gratefulness. We see that actually science backs it up. It, practicing gratitude, it boosts your mental health, helps you accept mm. change, and it relieves stress. There's also fewer physical symptoms of illness, more optimism, greater goal attainment, decreased anxiety and depression, amongst other health benefits. So let's all get about the business of practicing gratitude. We are thrilled to be joined by a friend of the show. We haven't had her on in a while, so it is like a family reunion here. Sarah Zylstra, she's a senior writer and faith and work editor at the Gospel Coalition. She is part of a brand new podcast that the Gospel Coalition is putting out called recorded and they have been doing a special i guess season of the podcast called escape from Kabul. and sarah we are we are both thrilled and also like who deeply moved to hear about this podcast so can you just dive in and tell us about it mm-hmm. i'd love to do that um so this is a podcast that i've actually been working on you guys for probably since uh, maybe September or October. Oh, wow. Kind of tracking. Yeah, tracking what's been going on there and following this group of Christians. Um, what's remarkable about Afghanistan and what I didn't know is that even when the Americans were there, it was illegal to be a Christian or to mm. convert to Christianity. Mm. And so even the fact this story is is actually a couple of years even older, and it goes back to when Christianity first began to bubble in Afghanistan. Um, and so as, and if you listen to the podcast, I don't want to tell you the whole thing, but there you'll follow the story of Luke who came to faith um, and then had his own escape. There's actually two escapes inside this podcast, had his own escape. Um, he was in prison for his faith and then he came out and was working um, with a bunch of house churches there. He's F and Afghan himself. And then um, it came to what had received so many threats um, that he had to leave the country. And so he landed in the United Arab Emirates, which is pretty close, also a Muslim country, far more liberal with its um, religious freedom, especially for those who are not Emirati. So they don't, if you're not Emirati, they don't really care if you're a Christian or not. And mm. so there's remarkable freedom there. Hmm. Um, and then the, the whole rest of the podcast, the second half of it, basically focuses on his, when he was positioned there, he um, ended up getting connected with a church that was a direct descendant of Capitol Hill Baptist from Washington, D.C., hmm. um, which is, if you can think about, that just blows my mind yeah. every time. Like there's a church in Washington, D.C. who sent several missionary couples through seminary and over there. And so where he landed, 
um, he was connected with Afghanistan, and the church he was in was connected with Washington, D.C. Wow. Um, there can be no more perfect providence <laughs> of God, right. honestly. Wow. And so when everything fell apart um, and he was trying to get people out of the country, he was in contact with the Christians in Afghanistan. They were in contact with the Christians in Washington, D.C., and they were able to do some re- – God did some remarkable things mm. through those connections. And um, the story is really moving. I cried every time mm. that I – um, had to read it out loud. Wow. I even cry when I listen to it Aww. now. The, um, it's scary. Um, they were outside of the airport for a while, and then they had to go into hiding because um, they were identified as Christian. And under the Americans, uh, at least you would get a trial before you went to jail, but under the Taliban, you just get shot. Mm. Um, so there, so there was there's an urgency to it, and and just a beauty to the story of how it's one of those stories. Where you think, how could God be there? You watch yeah. these people hanging off of jets, right, and trying yeah. and racing yeah. into the runway and trying all they can to get out of the country. Is God even there? Mm. Um, but then when, but this is, but he was. <laughs> yeah. He was. And when you look and see the remarkable ways that he is working still um, and the people that have been able to escape and the, and um, my favorite part was that uh, Luke, this gentleman, I was talking to him, he's like, you know what happened in January we started getting all these messages from people inside in Muslims inside Afghanistan asking questions like, where is God? Who is God? Wow. Is God good? Wow. Is God here? So the questions that they're asking, as you can imagine you would um, mm-hmm. under a Taliban regime, is this my religion? Is this mm-hmm. the God I believe mm-hmm. in? Um, is this right? Wow. Uh, they're starting to sort of yeah. Some some sparks of hope yeah. inside of that as well. And Sarah, that's encouraging because for a lot of us, myself included, the, the what's going on in Afghanistan is really taking a back seat, right? Like now, rightfully point, so, we're talking yeah. about the Ukraine and other things, but it doesn't mean that we can, you know, we don't have to choose one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, can you update us? I know you, we were talking off air, like things continue to get worse under the Taliban. I know you're telling stories of hope, which are unbelievable, but help people understand what's going on there, particularly for women just within the last couple of days. Oh, yeah. So over the weekend, the Taliban ru- rulers on Saturday actually ordered all Afghan women back into head to toe clothing in mm. public. So that was a little bit looser, especially before they took over. But now you have to be head to toe clothing in public. Also, you can't go in public if you're a woman unless you've got a specific reason. Mm. And a male relative would have to either go with you or if and if you're not dressed appropriately, then your male relative, you know, could be fined or could be even put in jail. So mm. it's a pretty harsh turn yeah. even for them. Yeah. Um, which is, has been disheartening. In addition, I don't know if you guys have been following this at all, but there's a there's quite the the work, the, quite the economic crisis. Mm-hmm. So Afghanistan was just propped up by foreign aid, and when the Taliban took over, the foreign aid pulled out, um, and so now we've got um, a famine. Their food prices are way up. There's definitely a humanitarian crisis. They're starving to death. Oh. Um, there's no jobs. Anybody who's educated is leaving as fast as they possibly can. Most have already left. Wow. Um, and so if you can get out, you did. And so what you're left with is some religious extremists and people who are too poor or unconnected mm. to leave the country. Mm. So it is just a, a wreck. Oh, devastating to hear that, Sarah. And I think I, Brian's exactly right. I feel like all eyes have moved to Ukraine. And so you're sort of forgetting that this has happened, which the Christians should not forget. So thank you for reminding us of what's going on. I think with that in mind... You know, what's your goal as you tell these stories and as people listen to the podcast? What what do you hope? What do you pray? 
Yeah. So I love that you asked that question because that's what we ask these Afghan Christians a little bit. Like, why do you want to tell this? They asked us to tell this and they said they Mm. want to give glory to God. Mm. Like, look at what is happening as an encouragement. This is their, their gift to the world is their story. Mm. And so they're saying, look at what God is doing when it doesn't look like he's doing anything. He is here working. He built our church out of nothing here. You know, just people one by one coming to the Lord and then that kind of growing bigger and bigger. He rescued us. He physically Mm. rescued us. So I think my prayer would be certainly that there would be support, financial and prayer support for Afghanistan. Absolutely. We can do that with our resources in the West and, and people are, I don't want to discount that. There are a lot of people who have given a lot of money and time to do that. But I think even more than that, just to be reminded that um, there is no dark place where God is not at Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. So um, yeah, don't, don't be afraid of the darkness. Yeah. That's a Sorry, really Sarah. good word. And Sarah, we want to point people to the podcast. So here, let's do it this mm-hmm. way. Uh, if people subscribe, rate, review it, you know, they get the podcast. What, it, what is the point again? Remind people of why you're doing this podcast and then very specifically, where can they go find it? What's the name? Where can they go get it? Yes. So you can find it on the Gospel Coalition, or if you just do a Google search for Gospel Coalition, Escape from Kabul, maybe even just Escape from Kabul, we'll pull it up. It's on the recorded, recorded is the name of the whole podcast, um, Escape from Kabul is the one that we just did. Um, and so, yes, my hope would be if you would read, would listen to this, that you would feel encouraged in your heart, that you would give praise to God, that you would um, even... I know a lot of friends or a lot of churches are working with Afghan refugees or have in the past, like resettlement. Um, If there's Afghans that you know that you'd be able to pray for them and to be freshly encouraged in your efforts to help them. Mm. Um, Even if it's just bringing over some sheets, right? Or some old used furniture Mm. or, you know, just participating in whatever your church is doing. That would be amazing. Oh, that's so fantastic. Sarah Zalstra is a senior writer, faith and work editor of the Gospel Coalition. We've been talking with her about this new podcast that she has been working her little booty off on her heart on <laughs> called Recorded, and they've been doing Escape from Kabul. Uh, Sarah, thanks so much for coming on and sharing about it, and congratulations on this really important work. And uh, we so, so appreciate you being here with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's been a delight. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.